0: So I'm watching what's unfolding in our country, in Baltimore, in Charleston, South Carolina, in Minneapolis, and dozens of other cities. You can almost pick a city. And I've been thinking deeply and reading and reflecting deeply on the history of this country, its founding, based on slavery, based on genocide, based on deeply rooted notions of white superiority. And I am hopeful Hopeful that this current movement for justice, for accountability, for reform, and the ways that this church and many of you are a part of this movement, I am hopeful. And yet, history reveals that whiteness and institutional oppression always finds a way to reinsert itself. The Civil War ended, but within a short time, Jim Crow laws reinvented a system of oppression and terror. In the 1960s, with the Civil Rights Movement, we saw the end of Jim Crow, and in its place with the so-called War on Drugs, a new Jim Crow emerged, which brings us in many ways to this moment, which is once again a conversation we must have about the soul of our country. And what I know... Is that until white people fully confront whiteness and the institutional benefits and advantages that whiteness brings, I am certain that our nightmarish destiny to repeat the patterns of the past that will continue. So, though my mind is certainly on Baltimore, on the state of our country, I am not here this morning to focus on Baltimore or on race or on whiteness. I am here to hold a set of religious questions that are wrapped up in that conversation about race and whiteness, and the conversation about the state of our country. But it's bigger than race. And the idea I want to share and talk with you, to you, engage in with you all this morning, is this idea, and you've set this up beautifully, musicians and choir, this idea of Destiny. This idea of fate. Is it our destiny, our fate, to continue to repeat these patterns in our country? Those are the questions, not about this country, but those questions about destiny and fate that you all have beautifully set us up with this morning. They are embedded in this Brahms piece that we will hear when I am done speaking. This Brahms piece called the Song of Destiny. Schicksal's lead. The song of destiny. And boy, you have picked an intense piece, Randy, (laughs) choir, musicians. Take a look at the lyrics to this piece. They're in your order of worship. You can read along with me if you want. I'm going to read them to you because this is intense stuff. The song of destiny, the vision that's painted here. You, it begins, you, these are angels, these are spirits, you angels and spirits, you wander above in the light on soft ground, blessed genies, ethereal creatures, heavenly beings, blazing divine breezes brush by you as lightly as the fingers of the player on her holy string. Fateless, like sleeping infants, the divine beings breathe chastely protected in modest buds blooming eternally their spirits and their blissful eyes gazing in mute eternal clarity oh these german romantic poets <laughs> but there's this picture this beautiful picture of heaven that's being painted or a heaven-like place with angels and cherubs and and just bliss and tranquility and peace and Joy. I'd like to hang out there for a little while. But then the poem takes a turn, right, and lands in the earthly realm, in the muck and the messiness of being alive, of being human. And then these words cascade over us. Yet there is granted us, and the us as human beings, there is granted us no place to rest. We vanish, we fall. The suffering humans, us. Blind from one hour to another, like water thrown from cliff to cliff for years into the unknown depths. Happy Sunday. <laughs> this is what you came for, a, a bit of good news, a word of hope. And you've gotten water thrown off the cliffs falling into the unknown depths and this contrasting view of these heavenly beings in this place of comfort and ease. Our destiny as human beings, according to the poet, is suffering and restlessness. Our Unitarian Universalist faith has always had problems with this kind of set-in-stone destiny. Let me take you on a little history tour here briefly. Our faith emerged in part as a strong reaction against notions of fate and destiny. In the late 1700s and early 1800s, there were, and there still are today, religious people who claimed that God is all-powerful, is absolutely sovereign, is the king of kings, the queen of queens, the ultimate authority in charge of everything. And that God has predetermined, predestined what happens to each of us in this life and the life to come. This is a particular religious view. And in this world view, some are destined for hell. Doesn't matter what you've done or who you are. Others for heaven. Doesn't matter who you are or what, you're, what you've done because God is all-powerful and sovereign. And that's how it works. This religious view that things are set are predetermined. It's pieces of that religious view that led white religious leaders to read the Bible in a particular way and to begin to preach that black people were destined to be slaves. It was God's will, they said. It was predestined. It was ordained. The natural order of things, the way they were supposed to be, it was fate. Our religious ancestors were not keen on this idea of predestination. The universalist, the big-hearted, bold, loving universalist said, well, God, as we understand God, is too loving and compassionate to send anyone to hell and would certainly forgive us our flaws and imperfections as a loving parent would. And in fact, God wants us to love others as we are held in love. The universalists believed that ultimately everything and everyone would be reunited with the source of love, with God, if you will. So really, the early universalists did believe in a kind of predestination They just took hell out of the equation. They're like, everybody's on the train, you're going to heaven. (laughs) Now, the universalists, I should tell you, too, I mean, they did have, there were some steps. Like, if you were a mean person or a bad person, like, you would have to go through some purification processes before you'd end up in heaven. But ultimately, it might be a circuitous route, you'd end up in heaven. So they did believe we were all headed one place, preordained on some level to be reunited with the source of life. The Unitarian side of the family declared that human beings were too good for hell. They declared that human beings could perfect and improve themselves morally and spiritually, and they could grow in the ways of love. The Unitarians believed that nothing was predetermined. Heaven and hell were states of mind and conditions in this world created by human beings. At stake in these different views... At stake in these different views. On the one hand, the idea that everything is predestined. It's fate, it's destiny, nothing you can do. On the other hand, this idea that we are saved by love and we can grow in the ways of love, that we have a hand in the unfolding of reality around us. At stake is the issue of human agency and freedom. At stake is the question, how much of our lives are destiny and how much do we shape and control by our hands? As I ponder these two extremes, it's all predestined and we have a lot of control, human agency. I think it's helpful to remember what Bishop Carlton Pearson said when he preached here just a couple of months ago. He said, shift happens. Do <laughs> you remember that moment if you were here? Shift happens. And he was playing with words. He loves to play with words. Shift happens. Shift happens. So there's predestination, predetermined things, fate, human agency, and then in the middle, what's true is that shift happens. Another way to say it is there's a lot we don't control. Gigantic tectonic plates in the earth and the land, they buckle. It is terrifying and heartbreaking and buildings and lives collapse. Humans are not in control. Tectonic plates can shift and buckle in our own hearts and spirits as well. Something happens in our lives, and in a moment, the future that we have imagined begins to dissolve. Or something shifts in us almost unexplainably, and a secret we've been carrying can no longer stay hidden, and it starts to climb out of the darkness toward the light. Or something shifts shifts deep within us, And if we're white, we start to see racial dynamics playing out all around us, and we know, deeply know, that race isn't just a story out there about other people. We see that we're in the story, and that we have benefited from the story of race, and that our silence is no longer an option. In those moments, those shift moments, when we fully confront the changes we're facing in our lives, it often feels like we are water being thrown over the cliff into the unknown depths. These are the moments when your world shifts and changes and the floor drops out. And in the midst of that shift, what you all have taught me again and again is that as long as we're alive, we have a choice about how we respond to that shift. We can't control what has happened, what has caused the shift necessarily, but our response and the future we create by our response is within our control. Life doesn't give us an answer to some of the biggest whys we ask. Why did my partner have to die? Why did I lose a child? Why did Freddie Gray have to die in the back of a police van? The why can't really be answered, but the how. How will we move forward from this loss? How will we love again? How will we help to make sure that not one more Freddie Gray or transgender person or young child of color dies because of a fatal encounter with police? We can't control the big shifts in life, but we can control how we respond when those shifts happen. And you'll hear this musically in the piece this beautiful, ethereal ending of this piece. I hear it as a reminder that we are human and there is much that is out of our control. We are indeed many times water cascading down, suffering, but that we are not destined to fall forever. Our hands, these hands, can crack open the doors of heaven and together... We can co-create with the spirit of life something beautiful here on earth. We tumble and struggle at times, of course we do, but as we reach for one another's hands and walk together, we know, we know that despair is not the last word. Destiny is not set. We can't change the past, but the future The future is shaped by the answers and the actions and the responses that we are holding in our loving hands. Amen.